Hello everyone and welcome to the Truthfully Human podcast. I'm Courtney and today I'm here with my co-host Victor. At Truthfully Human podcast, our aim is to provide a platform for real people to share their unique and inspiring stories, giving us all a lesson at the end of it. Quick disclaimer, we got new mics, so if we sound different, that's why. But more importantly, today's guest is Gilbert Loazzo, who we met through the new Podcasters Association. We're going to be talking about his podcast, Another 40 Hours, and more broadly, his interesting life in the States as a student, his hobbies, lifestyle, and more. For those who don't know you, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I am a graduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in Madison, Wisconsin in the U.S. studying biochemistry for my PhD. And I am, yeah, I don't know what else you guys want me to say about myself. i a student and stuff, but it's kind of my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely perfect. And and the first thing we wanted to touch upon with you, Gilbert, was your podcast, um, since we have that in common. Yeah. Uh, we met you through the MPA, the New Podcasters Association, and um, we fell in love with the concept of your podcast, Another 40 Hours. So that's the first thing we wanted to talk about with you today. So can you tell us a little bit more about it and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, your podcast is like similar to mine in a way. So we both want to just highlight how unique people are and their unique stories, right? Except mine is more on the balance of how people have gotten to these different careers um, and then the hobbies that they use to basically stay sane while being in their careers. And um, the reason why it started was... I recently realized like a year ago that in middle school, high school, when I was a kid, basically, I always thought of adulthood as really boring. Like you just go to your job and you come home and then you just do that over and over and over again. But then recently being in grad school and meeting such cool people throughout my life, I realized that there's more to it. Like you get inspired to do something really interesting and fun to you um, in your career. And then you can still keep up some of the things you're interested in, like hobbies such as like music or sports or anything like that. And so I thought it'd be cool to highlight kind of the duality of those two things in people's lives. I love that so much. And it's definitely something that really resonated with me and particularly having two little sisters now, Lacey and Lola, I feel like I could talk about them all the time. Um, <laughs> they um, are teenagers and, you know, there's so much more to life than just work that can enrich it. And being career people now, uh, Victor and I, it's it's about finding those little little passions and little things to keep you going. And it's become so important to me, especially during lockdown as well, having yeah, picked up sure. so many new hobbies. <laughs> um, so yeah, that really resonated with me and I, I love it so much, Gilbert. Thank you. Well, we also know that firsthand that starting a podcast can be incredibly rewarding. Can you tell us something about your podcasting highlights, as well as some of the things that were more challenging about podcasting? Uh, okay, let's start with challenging. I'm sure you guys understand this. The editing is kind of <laughs> wild. Um, I knew it would be hard, but to take... Man, sometimes you go from a 50-minute episode to a 45-minute episode, and it takes hours. And I just never expected that to be the case. Taking out little things like likes and ums and just blank spaces, making sure there's not a lot of background noise, which I feel like I still have problems with and stuff. So that has probably been 
one of the biggest challenges. I feel like finding guests and talking to people and coming up with questions hasn't been too bad. And it's actually been probably the more rewarding thing. Mm -hmm. um, just getting to think about what other people think basically and see how they can explain it in a way that listeners and that I will understand. Yeah, I completely agree with you that. I mean, I love finding people and even like, you know, we do a little form and everything. Um, just, you Such know. Such a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just hearing about what they have to say. And, you know, for most of our guests, actually, um, we know we know their story, but learning about it from their perspectives and finding the little, little nuggets that they're really proud of is super rewarding. But I've got to say as well, Victor does all the editing, so I can't quite relate, but I, I hear how much of a pain it is, so. <laughs> But how about some of your highlights? Yeah, I feel like every podcast I've done, there's something really nice about um, the way that people explain what they do. I think one of my favorites was I when I moved here, um, one of the grad students um, in my program, I met her and she is dating a chef. And I was like, I, I don't know the process of becoming a chef. I don't understand how that even happens, like how you get so committed into food and get good at it. And that like kind of started spurring this idea of like, man, there's so many cool careers. Um, so when I was able to interview him on one of my episodes, it was just so fascinating looking at the way that he sees cooking. And specifically, he says one thing in the middle of the podcast about how when he goes to restaurants, he pays a lot of attention to what the kitchen is doing, if he can see the kitchen. Um, and like he, he looks at how people are moving and how well orchestrated things are. And he, he said it, that it's very similar to a symphony to him. Like it's musical, it's just beautiful in that way for him. And I, I wouldn't have expected that, but I think I feel, and I feel like most people probably feel this way about jobs they enjoy. Um, but I feel the same way about some things in grad school and the science that I'm learning here. Just how elegant everything can be once you understand it at such a, I don't know, a minute level. That's so lovely. Actually, when you were saying that, it kind of put chills down me because it's like, you know, when you mentioned like a symphony, um, that's so beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And it's it's really rewarding to be able to see the world through through people's eyes in that way um and in when you when you filled out your form with us um you mentioned about you know you mentioned using po podcasting as an art form and actually i found a quote that goes um artists give people something that they didn't know they needed and then when i internalized that i thought yeah that definitely applies to another 40 hours um and giving the wrap-up of season one of your podcast. What have you learned about podcasting as an art form? I feel like that quote is really good. Giving people something that they didn't know they needed. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what my audience will be in the future, but I think that being able to highlight all of these people's careers in a way that they probably haven't had a chance to be highlighted is a really nice thing. Just because there's so much to say about the life that you're living and that people don't usually ask you. And so even if it's just to highlight one person's journey for a little bit of time and share that with whoever's listening, it's kind of nice to me, I think. Undoubtedly. Mm. And it's, it's interesting you say as well that, you know, people don't normally get chance to talk about themselves. So I guess in such a raw way, and it's, it's just about them, you know, like it's just, uh, 
we don't get chance to do that. It could be misunderstood as vanity or boasting or maybe complaining. Um, but that's it's that's a really really nice takeaway. Actually, I really love that. Yeah. Do you guys feel the same? Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. We're like in a in an almost special position where we get to bring in so many different stories and different experiences. I sort of feel like, oh, this isn't something I knew I needed. You know, this is really good advice. You know, the story is really good. I feel like I can take away something from that. And yeah. I'm only hoping that our listeners sort of have the same. They can relate to what I felt when uh, we hear the lessons of our guests. Yeah, definitely. And just to elaborate on that, the whole the whole point of why we exist is to offer that lesson. And it can be something as simple as believing in yourself or listening to other people, just see as kind of reminders that seem obvious, but you know, listening to someone's story and how they came to that conclusion, they came to that really important thing in their life. There's something really nice about it. And just allowing people to speak vulnerably and freely as well. It, it's, it's a special thing to do. And it's nice to see people maybe start the episode a bit tense and a bit self-conscious and nervous. And then you like almost like a, like a flower, they sort of open up and bloom and become more comfortable and relaxed. And it's really wonderful. It's, it's a special position to be in your right, Vic. And Gilbert, I know, I know you know that too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so nice seeing people like go from stiff to really vulnerable by the end. I totally agree yeah yeah and vulnerability is is so beautiful to me to all of us i'm sure that's why we're doing it <laughs> yes uh now gilbert you don't just do podcasting uh you're also studying biochemistry as you mentioned what drew you to this field of study yeah um i feel like i got drawn to biochemistry just because of how fundamental it is to our understanding of science and the world and how it works. Um, I was a biology major in my undergrad and I I felt that it was a little too upper level. Like I wasn't getting a lot of the detail that I could have with something like biochemistry. And I didn't expect to get so much detail, <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> but it has been a really good time just deep diving into really basic and fundamental science that I would have never thought about if I had continued in just biology. So it was it was just a, a need to, to learn more and a need to kind of get a bit more hands-on with it and to explore the nitty-gritty, I suppose. I don't know if that's the right term. No, yeah, I would say so. I, I don't know how much science you guys science background you guys me have. none no okay. <laughs> absolutely nothing <laughs> tiny i dabbled into health studies and i was supposed to go into medicine but i thought yeah, finance is going to work for me unfortunately mm -hmm. i just about showed up to my science exams in school <laughs> <laughs> I guess. let's see if i can think of a comparable way to put it so in biology what I was studying was pretty higher level in the fact that I would kind of say look at an animal and see what patterns and reactions I could see within the animal and what was happening. In biochemistry, I'm not looking at the organism as a whole. I'm looking deeper into what type of 
proteins are being made that can lead to that change that happens within the animal and it's i think it's the deeper level that i was like really interested in i'm with you no that's amazing um this is um a very different kind of question it's more um about stem and what you mentioned uh, to us before you know being a mixed race man haitian and filipino gorgeous mix what is your view on representation of minorities uh, in stem and some subjects yeah, I feel like I have a pretty unique view on it just because I'm of mixed race. And so anytime anyone talks about representation in STEM, I it like doesn't identify with me because I am always underrepresented. <laughs> and it's it's a process. It's just so difficult to try to increase representation of minorities in STEM when there aren't as many to begin with. And a lot of a lot of the efforts are carried on by older generations um, and by people who think they're doing the right thing for minorities, but not really asking the minorities what we need. And uh, it's a process in learning that and getting the balance. And I think the transition is coming. There are more higher level professors and more higher level people in STEM who are of underrepresented groups. But I think until there's, we're getting closer to like 50-50, it's still gonna be a problem. Yeah. What do you think that people in the science world or otherwise can do to kind of help that? Just, just listening, honestly. I think just asking underrepresented people more questions and not just it, in some ways it feels like we are taken for granted because they let us in and then that's it like that's, that's like all they want from us they're like oh you're here okay cool but yeah, like kind of like a box ticked which is really impersonal yeah exactly and they they just need to keep asking us questions to make us feel welcome and i i think it's coming it's still yeah. taking its time but um changes on the way that's wonderful. And have you, again, you, you mentioned sort of before, but have you found that this is the same kind of um, underrepresentation in the podcasting world that you're also part of? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't think so. I feel like, I think one of the nice things about podcasting is that anyone can really pick it up, right? Um, and that's given people a, like a really good avenue. Like I've seen a lot of different um, people in the podcast world the the tough thing about stem and upper level education i guess is that it's so foundational and that you have to start from the ground up to make people more interested in these things um i know a lot of people in stem continue through stem from their families and from previous generations but minorities don't really have that all the time and so it's hard to push people into this interest if they don't see people who are like them yeah. um yeah. i'm with you i'm hoping that the next generation will have you know people like you to look up to so that we'll we'll see that change more rapidly yeah what it what about in your careers i mean i do i do project management mostly in tech companies right so that is pretty white male yeah yeah like <laughs> um you don't you don't see a lot i'm part of a few like linkedin groups um i used to 
before that work in uh, events, but the event portfolio I worked on mostly was actually in oil and gas. So I was going to Texas all the time, working with like a load of old white dudes with like guns on their belts. And it was, you know, um, it's, you know, I, I haven't worked in very diverse places. And unfortunately, actually, a lot of the industries I've worked in, apart from one of the companies I worked for recently, um, who actually were really focused on having an inclusive workplace. Actually, just about that, we the, the company I worked for it was um, an app development company. They uh, had a client, their biggest client, who uh, was in the States and a devout Christian guy. You know, I was brought on to do the project management for this, this project. Um, and it was an ongoing project, like a really long-term thing. And he was like, we can't work with Courtney. And they were like, well, why, what's the problem? And they said, he said, well, she's a woman. I don't, I don't want to work with women. I refuse to, I absolutely refuse to work with women. And they, they removed him as a client and they let me know what happened. And they said, you know, we want, we want a safe workplace and a comfortable workplace. And we care more about our people than we do about this client. Like we, we have the authority to get rid of people if we want to. And they yeah. were really focused on um, being that it's app development there are people from all over the globe and they really wanted a, a diverse work culture so we worked with people of, of all races from um off the top of my head like five different companies um and it was it was wonderful um but apart from that um very corporate kind of white middle-aged men and frankly unfortunately in the industries they um and I'm, I'm glad to be away from it now but they understood the clients they were working with and they understood what the clients they were working with wanted in people from the company. So I think that I think that they didn't hire certain people based on that. And that could be down to political beliefs. It could be down to race at some points, you know, a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't been in amazing workplaces in terms of that at all. Um, glad to be rid of it now, though. So you were still you're working on your PhD, you got out of grad school. Can you tell us about your great high in your studies? Ooh. Yeah, I feel like it hasn't come yet, but I think I'm close to it. So my project is a computational project, partly computational, partly wet lab. But the hard part is the computation. Um, so what I'm doing is I am actually trying to design proteins from scratch and then to eventually express them and do other stuff with them. But the design process and learning all of this coding that I need for it has been so rewarding and interesting to me and i really enjoy it and i'm really close to getting some actual design proteins that hopefully will then be able to be used and expressed in my future experiments so the high is coming it's not there yet <laughs> fantastic can't wait for it to come for you um now polar opposite tell us a little bit about your lows if you had a one or two that's been significant yeah the lowest low was feels like forever ago was it two years ago i think i took so there's for your phd program um many phd programs there's usually a an exam called a preliminary exam that you basically show yourself in a way to be able to like complete your your research independently um which is the goal at the end of a phd right and the first time i took it was in my second year and i did not pass this exam that would basically determine if i could finish my phd and then i had to wait another year to take it again and that year in between was horrible oh, um, what did you get up to i 
there's just so much processing that I had to do. Um, I I actually recorded a podcast on it with another friend of mine who didn't end up passing, and it's the toughest thing because you already feel like a lot of insecurity and imposter syndrome, of course, being in grad school. But then to see most of the people around you passing this exam and continuing on the research that they want to do and whatever and you're just kind of alone with not a lot of support it was a very unique and horrible process (laughs) to go through (laughs) um and so i it sucked honestly um a lot but i think i'm i'm better for it and i I now understand what that process is like, which is wonderful because I don't want other people to have to go through it. And if they do, then I hopefully can find ways to encourage them and be there for them and show them that it's going to be okay. Oh, that's really lovely. It's really important. So, uh, Gilbert, given what we know about your experience with grad school, is there anything you'd do differently at the time? Do differently with choosing grad school with being in grad school or you failed your first uh, exam yeah what would you have done differently to make sure you wouldn't have uh, led to that result god what a question i (laughs) it's a bit of an unfair one probably (laughs) it's a it's a tough one um god grad school is such a learning process and i just trying to think back like obviously i was doing stuff incorrectly but like i couldn't know that um until i eventually power of hindsight you know yeah it's a lot of it is just the way that you think through things and the process of looking at something that you don't understand thinking of all of the questions why you don't understand it and then being able to say them and then find ways to answer them Mm -hmm. and i don't i i honestly like don't know how i got there other than like repetition and just putting in a lot of effort um and like realizing that that was what i needed because no one can like tell you how to like transition your way of thinking from looking at one thing that you don't get to learning all these different parts of it to understand it completely so would you say it was more of like a necessary evil and just something you had to experience to be a um yeah a more more wise person in a way yeah i feel like maybe if i had if i had like taken a year off before graduate school between my undergrad and graduate school and maybe like really immersed myself in a like hardcore science lab um before i came here that might have helped a little bit Mm -hmm. but i think that the transition from undergrad to grad school was just so stark that it like really pushed you in that direction to change your thinking but for some people i think it just takes longer than um than others i don't know if i could have done anything differently i guess is my answer yeah no that's that's perfect because it just kind of goes to show that i i mean we've we've uh, we've had a similar conversation with with a different guest whose episode will actually come out afterwards. But it's it's about the journey, right? And it's about how you know how you get there rather than the goal itself. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And also, Gilbert, we know that you've made some strong lifestyle choices, like keeping a mostly a veggie diet and staying away from social media. So how and why did you make these choices? 
Yeah. Um, so the vegetarian thing, I'm I'm like a pseudo vegetarian where I started to be like a hardcore vegetarian early on in undergrad. And then more recently, I have been eating vegetables most of the time, but every once in a while trying meat just because I've been so interested in cooking and learning the process of making more interesting dishes than what veg vegetables can give you. But mostly it was for just health. Uh, like I felt really healthy eating a vegetarian diet and I still do. Um, it's just less heavier food. And so it's made me feel, I guess, more, my body has felt more free in mm -hmm. a way. Um, and then I guess social media is kind of the same thing except for my mind rather than just scrolling a lot of the time and feeling like I'm wasting time. I now have like ways to kind of go out and be more active, um, doing other things that I really enjoy. And it sucks because I, I do miss, I guess, just like knowing what is going on in like people's lives who I care about, but I've tried to, to contact them as much as I can um, when I have the time and like, even just like going a little old school, like writing letters to people I care about. Oh, that's lovely. Like that. Just to make sure I keep that connection alive because I do care about people. Uh, a quick question so as well. How have you found not having social media during COVID in particular? Because I rely on it way more than I ever had. I spend way more time looking at my phone and, and getting hold of people over the phone and yeah. Facebook and Instagram and everything else. How's that been? That's a that's a good question. I Yeah, I don't know. I So I got rid of my social media, I guess like two, three years ago. Um, and then like, I'm only getting on for like my podcasting social media and yeah. random other things I do I don't think it's affected me too much and like probably if I lived alone it would um, I do have two roommates and so they are able to like throw out random dumb stuff that's happening <laughs> <laughs> to me or like I still have like that kind of connection with people but yeah I I think it's been nice and it, I think one thing is that I've been able to like explore my interests more during the time of coronavirus and so like the podcasting thing that started out during the virus period, it might have invigorated me in a way just because I wasn't distracted by what other people were going through and doing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Exactly, no, it's interesting. Would you recommend uh, others follow along as well? I think it depends on what you're looking for, for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you feel like you're spending too much time on your phone or like, you want to do creative and interesting things, but the social media is preventing you from doing it, then probably I would say so. But if not, and you just enjoy being able to interact with people and see people's lives, then that sounds, that sounds fine by me. Yeah. It's just up to your lifestyle. Yeah, I actually think I might give it a go because now I'm thinking about it, I don't like I don't do things like see my grandparents as much as I should because I know that I'll just give them a call and check in on them right yeah. but I'm kind of missing that like actual actual connection that is fundamental for, to me like for me to be human right I need like to see people mm -hmm. um so yeah that's uh that's food for thought for me so thank you yeah for sure. <laughs> like you I grew up in the mixed culture household with a Filipino mother Mm -hmm. We've mentioned that you're half Filipino and you're half Haitian. And we wonder if you have any interesting experience growing up in a mixed household. 
<laughs> yeah, what are interesting experiences? I guess let's Perhaps see. Any your... clashes or yeah, um, I wouldn't say culture clashes per se, but like I definitely picked up some stuff from both of my parents and probably more so from my mom just because i i'm sure you know filipinos are very vocal oh, uh, very. <laughs> and so she always has like these phrases that she uses in tagalog it's which is the language she yeah. uh, speaks that i i know of and that i don't use often but sometimes they come to mind which is fun <laughs> and i think one thing is definitely the food that type of culture has been a nice mix for me just being able to kind of mix a little bit of Haitian and Filipino um, cuisine together do you find yeah. that because you're exploring cooking yourself now do you find that you're able to kind of use that in, in your own kind of uh, cooking style and your own flair yeah I would say so like um, I've started especially like making a lot of different Filipino dishes um, so Victor I don't know if you will recognize any but like chicken adobo oh my god is a big one <laughs> there's uh taron it's like a fried plantain dessert yes suman it's a what it's coconut rice wrapped in banana leaf more of a dessert, yeah. And yeah and I've, I've just like started trying to like make some of these dishes and then like when i finally like master them i will probably try to give them a slight change in flavor um every once in a while or like pair them with like a Haitian dish specifically rice and beans is a big thing um, that we had in my household and I think it'll taste wonderful oh but I can, can yeah. I just say that I really appreciate the translation living in the UK we're not known we're not known for our nice food everything's kind really? of beige yeah I have heard of like beans on toast oh yeah beans on toast is, is absolutely but... cracking I, I really like beans on toast yeah I need yeah. to try it with red sauce oh, ketchup ketchup um i call it red sauce uh, i mean appropriately named it's red um yeah. <laughs> um but yeah uh, growing up in the uk it's just beige and bland and i really envy the both of you actually gilbert we are coming to the end of the interview and as you know having listened to us uh, at the end of every episode we ask our guests which lesson they'd like to offer others off the back of the whole discussion we've had today we've had a uh, we've, we've touched upon a lot <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that in mind what lesson would you like to give our listeners let's go with one of the more recent things just being like creative in what you want to do and um, whether that be with food or music or podcasting or anything um, if you feel like you're really interested and want to invest yourself in something I feel like you should give yourself the opportunity to if you can because if you're passionate about something then I feel like you should really do it and I think that's partially what the like second half of my podcast is about because it'll help you stay sane in your in your careers and your daily life honestly so I'd say that one that's fantastic thank you so much Gilbert it's been such a joy <laughs> A huge thank you to Gilbert Loazzo from Another 40 Hours for joining us this week and for sharing the lesson, be creative, and if you're passionate about something, you should really do it. A huge thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to the Truthfully Human podcast. In our next episode, we interview Yaga Vigoda on her life as a former tennis pro, the ups and downs of being a tennis umpire, and being a representative of the Erasmus Student Network.